You're listening to the Career Jump Podcast. Insights, interviews, and success stories to inspire and give you the edge when you make your next career jump. Hosted by your career concierge, Andrew McCaskill. Hello and welcome back to the Executive Career Jump podcast. I'm your host and career concierge, Andrew McCaskill, and I'm really pleased that I'm joined today by Alex Coates. How are you doing, Alex? I'm very good, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for freeing up some time. We really appreciate it. So I was keen to get Alex on for a number of reasons. Full disclosure, we know each other relatively well and we're friends and covered there. But just for the people who are listening who don't know you, tell us a little bit more about what you do and and what you've done in the past, Alex. Yeah, sure. So... What do I do now? I'm a, currently an account executive at JobAdder, who's a CRM provider for both in-house uh, recruitment teams, recruitment agencies globally. Before that, how I ended up working in recruitment technology, I spent the past, must been the past three, three and a half years as a, a head hunter within the IT space. So helping scale commercial teams for fast growing scales up some of the fastest growing tech and SaaS vendors on the planet. Yeah. And so as a headhunter. You were pretty successful and you put up some good numbers from what I remember, which was good. Uh, and you also developed a lot of other headhunters. What I'm keen to find out about that period of your career is you used to get lots and lots of candidates approaching you. What were you looking for when those candidates were approaching you? And what did people do in terms of doing a good job of engaging you in your team at the time? Yeah, it's interesting because the type of people I was headhunting were... Yeah, you know, I, I do some of the, the most senior um, salespeople w- within some of these tech companies. And I think the best people I engaged with, they were very candid, cards on the table, very straight talkers, and they just make it clear what they're looking for. So they, they, they would never try and fit the role if it wasn't right for them. And I think we've all been guilty of it. You know, I've been on the job market before. Um, have you ever sold to these... Uh, no, but I can do, <laughs> you know, and I think the best people I engage with, they're, they're very clear. Look, this, this is what I've done. This is what I'm looking to do. And this is what I'd you know, like to do next. Can you help? And, and I think it was having that direct sort of back and forth of, yes, I can do here. Or, or you know, the, a lot of people say it's quite powerful just saying no. <laughs> no, 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 I can't. But, you know, actually, no, God, I hope my old boss isn't listening. But I know another agency down the road who, you know, they do specialize in, in what you're looking for. So I think it's. That the best people I dealt with was, you know, that they'd reach out over LinkedIn. Hey, can we, can we book in just a 10, 15 minute exploratory chat? Can be in the evening, whatever. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be even booked in. Here's my mobile number. Give me a call. But they were coming to the conversation from a point of clarity in terms of what they were trying to achieve and what they'd done, right? That, that's what was standing out for you. To be honest, it, it was even, if I think what their LinkedIn profile even looked like, because, you know, I'd get a, 10, 15, even 20 messages a day, right? And first thing you do, you know, I was a recruiter. I lived on LinkedIn. I'd click on the profile. And it, it used to baffle me. Uh, and I used to joke with some really senior guys and girls that I had, I honestly couldn't tell you what you did into, until we had like a 30-minute chat. And and they used to laugh and I would watch you mean and say, and I used to show other people's profiles and, you know, look at this person. How long does it take you to figure out what they do? Because it was very clear that, you know, that some of the summary or the about was, uh, in my role as a chief revenue officer, I typically help uh, fast-growing, ambitious startups scale across a mere, so, something like that. Uh, as, as opposed to some people, it was like a, you know, a game of chess. It was a puzzle. I was, it was a maze trying to, trying to find and, and I did 
what, what was baffling, these are some of the smartest people I've ever, ever dealt with. But when it came to a LinkedIn profile, it was just, uh, you know, he had the tenure, who I work for, a picture, and that was it. <laughs> and, and the best ones, it was, you know, I'd have a message, click, straight away I could see, right, this person, they're, they're exactly in, you know, I know I can help them and they can ultimately help me. So, yeah. Yeah, and as a headhunter, if that information isn't there, I guess you're having to spend a load of time going off trying to fill in the gaps to qualify them, are you? Yes, and my worry would be for, for I'm thinking as a candidate now, you'll be getting missed because yeah. the reality is that the best headhunters, and I know a lot of great headhunters, they're, they're too busy. that They can't respond and look through 20, 30, 40 profiles in a day. They, they just can't do it. So I think, it, it, again, I'm, I'm leaning more towards as a, the way a candidate should think, make it easy, make yourself easy to be found. Make it, make it as, as easy as possible. Just spell it out on your profile. Yeah. Okay. So spell it out for us. So if I know uh, you did a lot of work with, as you said, CROs and sales execs, and you're in the sales world yourself, what do you think a sales leader should have on there? What would be useful information for the, for the headhunters and their target audience? I think some sort of mission statement and make it in layman's terms, make it easy for people like me that some tech is just so, so complicated for people like me. Right. And again, I used to look at some people like, Oh, that's a really powerful mission mission statement. And I'd read it and think, I I don't even know what that means. (laughs) I still don't know what what that technology does. And there's a lot more smarter people than me, but I think just in, even if you put in, in layman's terms, this is how we help our, our clients. Then I would also talk um, people you negotiate. Who do you typically negotiate with? Again, I'm thinking of salespeople here, but get your sales cycles on there, tip, uh, average order value, but certainly the people you negotiate with. Because if you, what you get a lot of, um, especially within the tech ecosystem, a lot of clients say, uh, you know, I'm thinking back when I worked in recruitment as a headhunter, that Alex, I need someone. They must have had experience selling to HRDs, you know, senior uh, HR teams. And if it says that on the profile, it's just so, it, it speeds everything up. And not only that, but I also feel sorry for candidates because you know, they don't realize that you know, what they don't know, they don't know. So they don't realize this piece is missing and you, you could engage in a 30 minute conversation for then at the end, the, the head on would say, so um, how, how many years have you sold them to HR then? Oh, no, 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 none, Alex. No, sorry, I, f- I forgot to mention that. And it's, you know, it's, it's frustrating for both parties there. Yeah. Okay. No, I think that's some really good guidance there. So as I mentioned at the start, you ended up finding yourself on the job market yourself with some unfortunate timing during the COVID period. So tell us a bit more about how that came about and also, you know, how you went about the task of of finding a new role during what has been a very, very tricky 12 months for everybody. Yeah. So I won't bore everyone with my uh, life story, but I'd, I'd had a few really successful years in recruitment and I, I was at the stage of, I wanted a new challenge. So I'd come to the conclusion, I'm going to take some time off, only you know, three, four months or whatever, and then I'm going to get into tech sales. So lo and behold, the, the genius that I am or was, <laughs> I, I think I resigned February last year. So yeah, I resigned on a Friday. Then the following Saturday, I was on a plane to Bangkok with my girlfriend to go and travel Southeast Asia. Fast, fast forward, gosh, I still laugh now. Fast forward two and a half weeks, global pandemic hit. Worst decision I've ever made. An extortionate flight, two flights back to, uh, back to the UK. 
I think it was 42 hours worth of travel by bus, boat, you name it. We've done everything just to get back to the UK. Head in hands moment. Oh my God, what have I done? And then the, quickly the realisation of you're on the job market for the first time in years. You know, you, you are unemployed, which that might sound crazy, but to, to almost look in the mirror and say that to yourself is quite a, you're unemployed. And there's a global pandemic. <laughs> so I, I don't think many people are going to be hiring. So that, that was the situation I found myself in. And, you know, the, the, the emotions that come with that in, you just want to, I think you just want to hide away. You know, there is a, a, a big aspect of shame. You, you lose it. You know, I lost a lot of confidence and, um, you know, questions. Oh, well, at least we're all on furlough or, you know, is everyone's job safe? And, you know, I'm on the WhatsApp groups, just, Hey, Alex, what's up with you? You know, what's going on? You, you don't want to respond because you, it's the embarrassment. And I think that the lesson I learned very quickly, you got to snap out of that. And I, and I completely understand it's easier said than done. And now I can look back saying, you know, I snapped out of it after a day and it, it wasn't like that at all. It took me a good probably three to four weeks, but you've you got to have a plan in place. You've got to swallow your pride. And instead of rejecting your network through shame, that's, yeah, in my opinion, that's where you go first. Go and talk to your network. And, and I actually put a bit of a, turned into a bit of a comedy sketch <laughs> when, I, when I was doing my prospecting. It was, uh, you know, I told them a story, but hit this target, done this, worked with some of the, the best uh, chief revenue officers on the planet, then decided to go abroad and uh, try and take a few months out. And yeah, I came back after two, you know, and it, it was... I found a way of not having the shame in, yeah, but it's a real situation. It was just, I got a bit of bad luck. It doesn't change me. It doesn't change what I do, what I believe in, what I'm good at. And I uh, hit the market hard then. So I, thankfully, because I've worked in sales, I um, I treat it very much like a business development exercise. So I, d- I didn't have any fancy tools. You know, I had my, didn't even have my LinkedIn recruiter. I just had uh, the basic LinkedIn license, had an Excel spreadsheet. But I think I... I kind of sat back and thought, you know, the, the knee-jerk reaction here is to let's just spam. Let's just, you know, let's cover every single angle. You know, have you ever cooked before? No, I can do. Let's, you know, let's just do anything. Let, But I didn't. And I think that's what I did well on reflection. I kind of step, took a step back and it's hard. It, it was really hard a year ago because you've got a, it was that sort of uncertainty. Should I just take anything? And that that crossed my mind a lot. And, and who knows if months had gone by, maybe I would have gone to, something completely left field however what i thought was you know that this is like when we talk about a mission statement you know where do you add value where have you added value in the past and how can you you potentially help businesses so i kind of put that into you know screwed screwed up my piece of paper and kept rewriting until i got it's like that is a in layman's terms what alex coach has done and what he wants to do and then i went through linkedin simple exercise and identified who the, uh, I guess the key stakeholders were, right? The, you know, the decision makers. So they were VP of sales, sales directors, that sort of stuff. And it was just a, a punchy business development process. Start with a, a message, you know, connection, quick message, and, and don't have the shame in following up with a call. You know, just, I love that, mate. I think there's so many uh, powerful messages in there. And what you describe it is, like any other change curve, I guess, like everybody goes through that denial, bit of anger, why me, what a bit of timing. And with you, it, you had the extra frustration of that you've done it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's one thing, you know, having to deal with the stress of redundancy, which is never easy for anyone, but knowing that, what am I doing? I've, I've inflicted this on my own situation. Obviously, when you did, you had no idea what was around the corner, right? But yeah. You still yeah. kick yourself. I bet you kicked yourself for a while. 
I kept pacing. I remember pacing around. Like I pressed the self-destruct button. <laughs> it was a big shiny button and I couldn't help but press it. But again, I'm one of those people. Uh, everything happens for a reason, right? You know, and, and yeah, I'm sure we've all got examples of that. So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Hey everybody, it's uh, Andrew here. Just wanted to very briefly interrupt this podcast episode to tell you a little bit more about our Career Jump Club. So our Career Jump Club was created to help job seekers understand what they want and how to get it, right? So becoming a club member is a great move if you're looking to get the clarity and confidence in order to secure your next role. With the membership, you get a number of different things. So first thing you get is access to our online platform, which has over 30 videos, 40, 50 different templates, workbooks, and it takes you through everything from sort of understanding what you want to how to position your CV and LinkedIn, how to interview, how to close offers and negotiate better salaries, a full end-to-end job search course effectively for senior leaders. So you get that, you get a fortnightly group coaching call, um, which is with me and with the other members where we bounce around best practice, share slide decks, share techniques, and share the latest data on what's working for people. And you get to most importantly become part of our closed LinkedIn group and our closed community. And in there is where the magic often happens because you get people referring each other into opportunity, supporting each other and just sharing. And that's what it's all about. So if you're financially able and you'd like to invest in your job search, head on over to www.execcareerjump.com or one word forward slash club and you'll find the landing page and come and give it a go. We'll see you in there. Anyway, back to the pod. So through uh, a bit of navigating, you found your way into tech sales and here you are with JobAdder. I'm interested to know JobAdder that made you decide to go for it. So what was like in your mind as a scorecard of what was going to be important in that role and why did you decide to take it? Yeah, that's a good question. And at the time, I had a really good scorecard and I'm just <laughs> rolling my eyes back now trying to think what was on it. But ultimately, look, the, the short-term vision is, you know, I want a product that's unbelievable that you, as long as, you know, as soon as you flash the product, it sells itself. That's the sort of selfish salesperson thinking that you can print money with this product, so to speak. But then the, I guess the, the long, um, the bigger picture, Alex was thinking you know, people's, that, that's the most important thing, right? You know, it, it doesn't matter who you work for. They can have the best product in the world. You know, I'm sure we've all experienced it. If you're in a slightly toxic environment or whatever, it, it's not even worth getting out of bed, so to speak. So I think the the, the people were the most important thing. You want like my, like-minded people. I was certainly didn't want any micromanagement. And long story short, I engaged with who is my sales director now. Uh, the uh, I don't know if he's going to listen to this, so I won't compliment him too much, but the, the opposite of micromanagement, you know, it's a very much not parent-child, it's a peer-to-peer. This, you know, this is what my vision is, what I'm trying to achieve in the UK. Great, yeah, but, you know, we're aligned, tick, tick, tick. And, you know, I'll give you the sort of the freedom within my framework, but, but you know, you go out, explore, you're going to fall over a few times, I'll, you know, I'll help pick you up. And I think that was what I connected to. And then, it, you know, it helped that the product's great as well, which, which helped. But yeah, I think... And this is advice I'd give to anyone. It's who you work for and who you work with over anything. I will always believe that. And I think you're bang on. Yeah. Person in the product, very good advice there. Um, I know when you were 
just flipping, uh, changing gears a little bit into a different direction. I know when you were managing your own teams, you were quite picky about who you hired. You were very picky, actually, compared to most recruitment leaders who kind of more, most just take the bum on the seat. Kind yeah. of, right? And if it doesn't work out, then so be it. But you were a lot more picky around who you wanted in your team and why. When you go back to them, what were you looking for in the people that you were hiring? I think that the reason, just on your first point now, I think the reason I was so picky, it's because the time, emotion, money that go that is involved with a bad hire. And I know recruiters talk about that all the time. And if I feel like you have to go experience that yourself before you're like, I think they're on something here. This, these recruiters, do you know what I mean? So, so that's why I was because I've been burnt a few times where you'd, you know, you really backed someone to the hill and you'd stay till seven, eight in the evening. No, oh, come on, we'll work on your pitch or whatever, whatever it is for them to resign three months later. And you're like, Oh my God, you know, and, and we go again. So I think that's why I was picky, but I think what I used to look for was some of the best people I hired actually were grads with, with no experience. And I think what I always looked for is the, it's the why and where do they want to go? And, and that's sort of like, why do they want to go there? And I, I, I can be very emotional. You know, I, I connect with other emotional people, which isn't always great in a sales environment, but I think if you really understand it, I'll tell you what I used to hate is when people would come in very scripted. They, you know, if they came for a rec to rec was a prime example. And to be honest, Alex, I, I've always wanted to recruit um, account executives within the tech sales ecosystem, uh, which is why I want to work. You know, it's no one got out of bed, everything, you know, that sort of time was I used to love people. And, and I'd say just cards on the table, like very candid now, because you seem a great person. I'd always try and make them feel really comfortable because I just want them to speak like on a level. You know, they don't need to be nervous. Like it's just, just be on level. And I just looked for that raw sort of, this is my reason. This is why, you know, a lot of people get into recruitment for the money, right? And it doesn't come easy. And that's something you say to them, can you earn some of the, the numbers you see on LinkedIn of, you know, six figures, that sort of stuff? Yeah, absolutely you can. And there are people I'm surrounded by who are earning that. But by God, like it, it's it's not easy. But then once you hear their, their why of... Um, I, I used to really connect to some of the, the personal stories they tell me, whether it's uh, adversity they've had previously, whether it's related to family, you know, I think to, and I used to really connect to that. Cause I was like, God, they're going to, they're going to push down, you know, run through some brick walls here to make it. And, and that's what I'd look for. And as long as you had that, and then you could, you know, I knew I could coach them the rest and teach them the, the skills, but it's it that skill versus will, I guess I'm getting to, but yeah. No, it's a really good point. And it may or may not surprise you to know a lot of senior people actually do a really bad job of the why do you want to work here answer because they talk, as to your point earlier, almost in they almost give the answer they think they should give rather than the real answer. And I think the bullshit radar goes off in the interviewer and they can sniff that out pretty quickly. Whereas people who manage to connect on that why, and it could be a personal story or it could be a personal connection with the company. So it could be, you know, well, I was a customer of yours 10 years ago and this is how it felt and this is why I care about your brand or whatever. Like, yeah. it's got, But it's got to be more than just the logic of I need a job, I like money and I can do it. Yeah. It's got to be more than that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting you say it because I even think when I interviewed with um, with Job Adder, you know, and I started to overthink and think, well, what, what's what's the answer my sales director is looking for? And in the end, you know, it hurts your head because <laughs> you're an imposter, right? You know, and it's just... In the end, I remember saying to him, to be candid, I've seen now you've shown me job or whatever. 
I can relate to the challenges that recruiters are facing. And they were, you know, they, they used to wind me up some of the frustrations, anyway, which I won't go into, but you, you've got a solution there. That There's a solution that I can, that resonates with me and I know will resonate when I communicate with, you know, and, it, and it's that. And when I look back and the interest if he listens to this podcast, gives me feedback, but I think it was the, yeah, that, that that's real. What he's just said. It's all we talk about authenticity all the time. That that's hit authentic, Alex, so to speak. But yeah, yeah, no, I love that. Really, really good. And for sales guys and girls, what do you think's the right kind of tone in interviews? So some go in, I guess, keeping the cards very close to their chest and playing the game a little bit to try and get enticed into the role. Others go in far more keen and I guess almost pushy at times. Where do you think the balance needs to be in terms of how sales leaders engage in their interviews? Yeah, this is a really good question. So you're right that the word balance, that that's what you need to get to. It's not an easy balance to find because again, emotions come in. And I've seen over the years, the super passive guys and girls do extremely well. That they play it like, so well, you know, the poker face through right until the end and they ended up getting another X percent on their basic salary and, and they play it so well. That that doesn't always work though because I think, and this whenever I coach senior leaders, I, I'd say that you never want to be too keen, but you know, that's clear. You, you do not want to be too keen, but just be conscious of as you navigate through the process that you've got to give something at some point because I've also seen hiring teams where they even say to me, hey, Alex, you know, between you and I, great candidate, got no doubt of uh, his or her ability, you know, and, and ultimately at the end of the day, as great or as, you know, they might be able to close that big deal with HSBC that we're all looking to do as a bit, but we want someone who wants to work here, right? You know, and that, that, and then that was the feedback I used to get. We, we need and want someone who actually wants to be part of the team and we didn't get that impression. And then obviously as the head, don't you? Because you, you know what's really going on. They, they love the company and they love the job. And you're like... Just tell them, <laughs> just say, look, I've, you know, I've jumped for a few hoops now, cards on the table. I, I want to work here. Yeah. You know, you know, and there's no harm in doing that, but I think people overthink so much and, oh, that's not, that. yeah, they overcomplicate. Playing hard to get, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think even, you know, in our follow-up note template people send after interviews, we started off with following that conversation. I'm more interested, I'm even more interested than I was beforehand because of these reasons. And just starting a follow-up note with that statement just gives the hiring team comfort that you're up for it. And particularly at the moment, and I talk as much as anyone about not being a keynote, as you know, that's one of my favourite topics in life. But particularly at the moment where there's a lot of people on the market, companies are wary that people are just trying to join them to get a job and an income rather than because they're really bought in. And so I think even more than normal, you have to be making it abundantly clear in that why again that you are bought in, yeah. Yeah, and the authenticity piece. You know, you, you're playing a game, like you've just said, now's not the time to be playing any sort of, um, just playing it too clever for your own good, so to speak. I think that, that that being super authentic, people will, like you said, the bullshit radar is on more than ever now. Um, so yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, and you just want to be starting a job from a place of trust, don't you? That's that's the whole, Absolutely. whole process. So some very, very good guidance there. Very, very good guidance indeed. I really like that. What else in terms of any other tips for people in transition or anything that you saw people getting wrong regularly? I think we've touched on a lot of it. I think make it clear. You need to be able to articulate 
what you do, what you're good at and where you add value. I think that, that that's clear. And try not to make it too scripted. So I would always say, you know, again, it all ties into this authenticity piece and being authentic and just try and give examples with it. Just real life examples of how you've helped a customer. Think what's going to be relatable to the person you're speaking to. I.e., you know, I used to, you'd work with some um, companies who sell into banks. You know, and it, it sounds obvious, but when you're giving your answer, let's talk about not the um, deal you sold into Argos. Let's talk about that big one you did to HSBC. You know, it's just simple thing. Keep it very relatable. I honestly think it's getting that balance of not being too keen, but then don't be too smart for your own good. Show a bit of emotion that, hey, look, you know, cards on the table, Andrew. I really like you. And I'd like to think that, you you know, we've had three meetings now. We've got on well. What do we need to do to make this happen? Yeah. And I even think it when I used to hire, when I I was uh, managing a team, I think it's just so powerful for someone, you know, you you would just relate to that and be like, do you know what? You're, You're absolutely right. And this is what we need to do to get it done. I totally agree. Brilliant, brilliant. Final question. What's it like selling back into your old industry? It's really interesting because I've been a on the front line, so to speak. I, I can really resonate to a lot of the challenges, which is really good. Really, really useful. And, and I find it interesting. You know, it's great speaking and, and connecting with people like this. And when they tell you a story, you know, I can almost tell them a worse story <laughs> you know i'll say god you think that's bad you should see what i used to and we all you know we have a laugh and a joke but, but you, you know you've got that connection that you've you kind of been there so you i guess from a credibility stance it, it's pretty powerful then on the flip side it's the first time i've ever sold into or or you know if you like or dealt with the actual owners of the business or the, the senior leadership team i used to sit on that team <laughs> so i try and think what would have i wanted to to have to to help my business so it's it, you know, it, it's really, really interesting. I think the recruitment industry on the whole, we're, we're very, well, I feel very fortunate it's been, it's, it must be one of the most resilient industries ever, if not the, um, which is why, you know, when we think back about the pandemic and if we think about hospitality and the sort of the bashing that they took, it, it was, it was fascinating speaking to uh, business owners in the recruitment industry of uh, honestly, the, the grit that's shown in this industry, uh, you know, I used to speak to them and it was a sensitive time. You know, you've got a salesperson trying to sell you something during a pan, you know, it's, it's, you got to be careful. Are you, and you almost felt proud, you know, they were, they were so gritty and we're not going it, you know, we're, we're going to pivot. We're going to, we know what we need to do and we don't want to make redundant. You know, there's almost that pride. And it's been so, so interesting hearing it from a, I guess, an owner's stance, not just from a consultant. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's good stuff. Yeah, I could totally agree. And I think whilst there's always going to be some bad apples in any industry and the ones in recruitment are always scrutinised heavily, for me, I feel like the industry has come out really positively from the last 12 months. The initiatives that I've seen in terms of what a lot of the recruitment companies have been doing to support their client and candidate base, to pay into the ecosystem, to look after each other. Like, I think the industry has stood up incredibly well and, and done itself proud to the same as you. I think it's been great. Yeah, completely agree. Good. Brilliant, mate. Really enjoyed that. Knew there was going to be some good insights in there. So if somebody wants to connect with you, follow you, talk to you about RecTech, where do they find you? What's the best bet? Yeah, either LinkedIn or feel free to ping me an email, acoates at jobadder.com. Always happy to talk. C-O-A-T-E-S, Coates. Um, So do reach out to Alex. He's a top guy, as I said. I know him well and I recommend you do so. And just thanks again for spending some time. It's been great to catch up in general. And I think you shared some really good insights for the audience. So cheers for that. Thanks. Appreciate it. Cheers. 
You've been listening to the Career Jump podcast with Andrew McCaskill. For more resources and information, just head over to the Career Jump website at www.execcareerjump.com to supercharge your job search and start making moves. Let's get to work. Let's get to work.